Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you, and I appreciate you being with me today. My guest today is Hamish McDonald. He joins us from New Zealand. He is a member of Generation X, and he is the CEO of a healthcare IT company. Hamish, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Rob. Pleasure to be here. And uh, I am a member of Generation X, and we can maybe touch on that again during during the course of the interview. Uh, wonderful. Well, you and I, uh, we are co-joined with that as, both as Gen Xers. So let's let's start with this. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your role in healthcare, please. Sure. Uh, so I accidentally fell into healthcare. It's become my profession and my life, uh, but I'm not a clinician. Uh, and 19 years ago, I was actually in Japan. I spent many years living in Japan. I moved there from New Zealand at a young age after university. And it was in the year 2003 when a doctor told me there, you know, Hamish, patients don't have access to their healthcare data, much less own it. Uh, and that was my you know, hair down the back of the mat moment where I thought, gosh, this is a fantastic opportunity here. And if I'd known how difficult it was to try and turn that into something that worked, I probably would have taken 10 years off and done something else first. Looking back, there was no devices, uh, no you know, universal devices to, to measure your um, uh, your pulse or your oxidation rate, etc. There were no iPhones, there was no uh, distributed cloud computing, and all the data was kept under lock and server with uh, you know, client-server relationships where hospitals and clinics would have their own data set, which a patient simply couldn't get into. Anyway, I guess um, having said that, you know, the first 10 years were very much a case of finding out what all the barriers are. Like I say, I wasn't from healthcare. So I had to, I had to look from the outside in, the fishbowl of, of medicine, if you will, and figure out where the data was, why it was there, why it wasn't being shared, what would need to happen to enable it to be shared. But this was always done through the view and the lens of what would happen if the patient, what we like to call the data owner, actually did own uh, a set of their own data and could turn it into the most valuable data set available about them anywhere, what could you do with that? And as you know, when you change the information flow of an industry, you can change its, its power structure in terms of how things move. Uh, and anything that can serve patients better and the people that look after them, that, as I say, was my you know, hair down the back of the neck moment. And it's been a challenging but wonderful ride over the past 19 years figuring out how to do that, but also waiting for a whole lot of trends to take place. I mentioned you know, cloud computing, this couldn't happen without that, but also data standards that allow data to move uh, from where it needs to go to where it needs to go. Uh, and many other trends, including societal trends, such as people now being aware that their data, they don't own it. A few entities make a lot of money from their data and that's not a great thing, but what can we do about it? Well, we do have the power now through a whole lot of things that have been happening in the past couple of decades to be able to make a difference and be able to get a data set that's valuable and own that and have access to it on our mobile phone. So that's, I guess, a long story of saying that I, I started this in Japan, took me around the world. I've, I've 
been working on this in Singapore, a lot in the United States, Australia, New Zealand over the years. Uh, and I'm back here in the United States now, actually in upstate New York for a couple of weeks here. Excellent. It, what a what a paradigm shift. Okay, because up to the, they've always been referred to, I would assume it um, as medical records. Okay, and as medical records, they seem to be the property of the medical professionals. But it's the the information is information about you, and it's your information. I, how are you? helping the public to under to understand and to change the mindset of this being protected um, private information to it being my personal protected private information that you know I should have access to as much as any other as much as any medical professional has access to it yeah I think the, the key thing is it's once once you say it's your data and shouldn't you have a copy of that data and that's the key thing a copy of the data because a hospital, a clinic, you know, your physician, they all need access to the data to the extent they need to treat you, and that's fine. You shouldn't necessarily own that data. They need to own that record in their clinic so they can uh, work on you appropriately moving forward. But why don't you, in this day and age, when you have a mobile phone, you have everything else there, have a copy of your data set from multiple different sources that you can control and if it's what we call interoperable data that can move around with you and you can then decide who accesses that data set about you, which parts of it at a granular level, uh, it may be your family caregiver who you need to have access to the latest things about you. It may be a physician. It may be a specialist out of network. Uh, it may be a research company or research uh, R&D company who's very interested in finding someone like you because you have a particular condition particular uh, phenotypes or genomic types uh, that would be worth it for them to pay you for that data. But healthcare data is incredibly valuable. And right now, the, the fact is that patients, consumer patients, we don't benefit from the financial value of our data set at all. And medical data is extremely valuable. So once you frame it in that, my, in that, in that, in that framework for an individual and say, look, you know, I don't know anything about you, but I already know without having met you that you don't have a copy of your healthcare data. You certainly don't own it uh, and you absolutely don't profit from the value of your own data, but other people are right now. Then the lights come on. People realize, oh my gosh, yes, you're right. How do I build a data set about me as my own personal property that I can then decide to use to both receive appropriate care as well as potentially financially benefit from? Yep. Um, we're all very careful to protect our intellectual property and your medical data property has not ever been viewed in those same terms. And now you're changing that mindset, which is unique and a fascinating approach. What does quality healthcare mean to you? Yeah, good question. I'll continue that on from the perspective of data. So from my point of view, quality healthcare from a data perspective would be you, Rob, visiting your primary care physician uh, with an interoperable data set, and they have their electronic health record data set, but there may be a couple of things in there that are incorrect. We know from large studies that have been taking place on millions of claims data and insurance claims data in the States over the years that you know, about 30% of information in electronic health records uh, systems is incorrect to begin with. So it's not a very high bar and threshold to uh, to be able to to get better than 70%, I believe. But um, I do recall always a friend of mine who 
uh, was quite fit, but their electronic health record always had them marked down as having had a broken back X number of years ago. I think it was 15, 20 years previously. And try as they might, they couldn't get the systems to take that errant diagnosis out of their data set. And so every time he presented at a new doctor, a new specialist, he'd have to explain, oh, that broken back, that really didn't happen. So, um, and I should give a shout out to the, um, the patient corrections request team on FHIR. If anyone wants to look up them up, uh, they can join the FHIR chat. That's F-H-I-R, one of the interoperable data standards. They've put a lot of work in the past six months, one year, for people to be able to change uh, or request, I should say, their health data record to be made more accurate where there are clearly mistakes, and it's a common thing. Uh, so a lot of work has been going into this now that we have what's called interoperable data uh, for people to be able to um, correct their data set to be an accurate reflection of what they are. But then I mentioned you're going to PCP. Well, how about being able to take that same data set to your specialist and also have your primary caregiver at home also able to access your copy of the data and how good would it be for quality healthcare if also researchers who you want to support, you agree with the research they're doing, you think it's important to allow them to access certain pieces of data about you. Once the data owner, as we call it, is in control of that particular data set, a whole lot of things that simply are so difficult to happen in medicine right now in terms of presenting a quality data set for everyone who touches you as a patient, it was simply impossible and too unwieldy to happen. Well, those pieces have fallen into place with standards, uh, data operative standards, et cetera, um, that we can actually put this now onto someone's mobile phone. So what's quality healthcare to me? It's walking around with an accurate, complete, curated data set that you can choose to share part or all of with the people who you need for your appropriate healthcare and to share that with people who you uh, support or want to support research of and financially benefit from the value that your data provides them. That's, to me, quality healthcare from a data perspective. Sure. Um, very interesting to hear you say that. I, well, and I'll just, I'll just mention this. Every time I go to the doctor, whatever doctor it is, and we go over my medication list, I, I have to make corrections on it every single time. And oftentimes, it's the same corrections that I've been making for several years. So it's all within that same healthcare system, and yet somehow the you know, electronic medical records are not being properly updated in that, uh, which, you know, frustrating. And yet, um, I think, as you've mentioned, far too commonplace. Uh, the next question was, can you give me an example of quality healthcare? And you've, uh, you've really preemptively asked that question. So um, if you don't mind, I'm going to keep, keep forging ahead. And I'll ask this question. What do you wish people understood about your role in healthcare? My role in healthcare, that's interesting. I'm not a clinician myself. I've already mentioned that. But I, I suppose uh, my role would be, yeah, my role would be to help you define your role in healthcare as a patient. If we can build a platform that enables you to take control of, build an accurate data set, and then on your terms be able to interact with the various different parts of the medical industry in an appropriate manner to receive the best care possible, we're helping you define your role. So you're no longer just classed as a patient you know, with, a, with a number, uh, with a particular condition that this particular health IT vendor or this particular provider have treated you for. You're much more than that. You're, you're more than the sum of your parts. 
your everything that's happened. And we already know from wearables, we are now, you know, we have the ability to track all kinds of things that's happening in our body on a daily basis. We already use apps to keep track of our, our life online uh, using mobile phones. There's a tremendous amount of rich data that's known in the industry of social determinants of health that influence your clinicals. So it's all very well going to a, a, a point of care like a clinic or a hospital and getting an X-ray or, or getting a medication, uh, having a blood test done. But those are all very episodic. And depending on how often you go there, it may only be once a year getting an episodic up, update through a, through a um, uh, through a, a medical examination. Um, but if you could redefine your role to say, well, no, I'm more than that. I am the sum of all the things that I'm doing with my lifestyle and my environmental, where I live, uh, what I eat, all these things play an influence into that blood test you got done yesterday. And if you can help people begin to understand and extrapolate the curve or the arc of their health and relate in all these other things that aren't captured in the electronic health record, you can begin to understand yourself better. In fact, I used to know a doctor in Japan who used to say, uh, an ideal electronic health record for the individual should be like a mirror. And you mm. have a mirror to make yourself, you know, make sure you're looking okay, the hair's in place, I've got the shirts on, good, I can go outside. We don't have a mirror for inside ourselves. And what we really want to be able to do is create that mirror, that fully 360-degree view of health, including the clinicals and the social determinants of health, the, the phenotype, and ultimately the genomic data, which you also need to own a copy of, uh, and be able to rewrite your role in healthcare according to the full picture that you are as a human being, not just your last clinicals from a doctor. Okay. So I'm going to throw out three words and I'd like to hear you decide which of them you are. Uh, are you uh, an educator in which you are helping patients become more knowledgeable about themselves? Are you um, a facilitator in which you're allowing people to access data or are you um, empowering where you're um, changing the power structure of the medical community right now? Great question. Really good question. I wasn't expecting that. And I've just written down those three words, educator, facilitator, uh, empowering. It's not about me. It's about the platform. And what we've done is build a platform that allows all those three things to happen. You can come and be educated. You can facilitate other people to be educated and what's possible. And that can happen on a peer-to-peer -peer basis too because patients who have been down the route that you are about to go down as a new, newly diagnosed, for example, cancer patient, have an awful lot to catch up on. So you know, to educate, to facilitate, and then you said empower. Well, if we can help you own your data set, we're definitely empowering you to then have more in-depth understanding both of your health and how you relate to other people who have similar conditions to you and give you more power to be able to have a more fruitful, in-depth and understanding conversation and interaction with your care team. And there may be many people in your care team. So rather than me, it's about a platform where you can be educated, you can facilitate and you can be empowered. And that all comes through owning your data set and having crucially the dynamic consent that allows you to then share that or some part of your database or all of your data set with the people who you think need to provide you with the appropriate care. And when you're talking about out of system and different, different vendors and different providers uh, in many different places, including overseas, even if you travel overseas and come back, there really is no way that the current medical system is able to bring all that data together and say, ah, this is Rob. 
So we do all those three verbs. I hadn't thought of it in that terms before. I'm going to think more of it, but really our platform provides people an avenue to do all three activities and help each other achieve those three things as well. Okay. Uh, thank you. I appreciate your, your willingness to handle kind of the, like just processing this myself. Uh, what excites you about the future of healthcare? Um, what excites me about the future of healthcare? I think the big things that are required to make people be able to be in charge of their healthcare. Um, I think having been in there for 19 years, trying to make this happen, that it's been watching several large trends that needed to happen in order to enable this to become a reality come about. And I, I touched on a few of them before. There was no way that cloud computing not existing before you're able to even get the data onto your mobile phone. People didn't have um, iPhones, et cetera. Uh, but there's been a few cultural shifts as well. One is in the medical industry itself. There is now an acceptance. It certainly wasn't the case until just a few years ago that, look, patients want to have their data. They want to uh, increasingly interact with their data, understand it. Uh, and so the argument up to even 10 years ago that patients really didn't, didn't need to have a full copy of their data is gone. Clinicians now are very accepting in the general that uh, people want to, just like all the other apps on their phone, they want to be able to access their healthcare data. So seeing that trend take place is very exciting. At the same time, Facebook, Cambridge Analytica, a whole lot of things that happen in the background with, with data and what happens to it without us knowing have come to the forefront. And people are wanting and not knowing how to go about it, but people are wanting to take some degree of control back on their data. They realize it's valuable. Data is now the most valuable asset as a class on the planet. And so you know, our, our goal is to be able to bring all these trends that have been taking place slowly over a long period of time. We've now reached a confluence point where we can provide all this under your control on your mobile phone. So that's what most excites me. Finally, maybe after being 19 years you know, in the right place at the right time where you can bring all this together and provide consumers, patients with things they haven't been able to access before. And in the process, help healthcare deliver things more efficiently and their services more efficiently uh, and with greater care you know, for personal healthcare as well, N of one. You know, we're all an individual person and we all need to be treated as such. And if you don't have the right data to treat someone as an individual, well, you're not going to be able to do it in practice either. Yeah, so a, that's that's what exciting. Definitely, what a powerful concept that end of one. I think that it it can't be overstated. Uh, last question for you, and we're almost out of time. Uh, what is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? Ah, uh, good question. Again, I think there's a couple of things that healthcare providers could do. One is to encourage their provider network to use standards based data. Uh, FIRE, I mentioned before, it actually stands for Fast Healthcare Interoperability Resources, which is a bit of a mouthful. FIRE is easier to say and remember. But all it is, is it's kind of, you can think of it like a wrapper that enables databases, siloed databases throughout the medical industry to be able to talk to each other, whereas they wouldn't be, other to, wouldn't be able to otherwise because they have common resources on top of the database that are able to go off and talk to other common resources so number one, I'd, I'd encourage all healthcare professionals to support data standards like FHIR, uh, like SNOMED, which stands for Standard Nomenclature of Medical Terminologies, uh, another data set. And these things, when they're used, can make data come alive and you can start to have concepts begin to talk to and find other concepts within someone's data set and make correlations you wouldn't have had before, which helps you as a professional. You can actually use this, this fuzzy intelligence to go down pathways you wouldn't have been able to do before. 
Um, I guess the other thing is to don't be an encumbrance to people being able to get that data. Encourage them and encourage people who are willing to you know, go to the extra mile to understand what their condition is. Because through that, you know, you're able to, as a, as a clinician, I believe, practice, as pharmacists like to say, at the top of one's license. Uh, and as a doctor, that may mean spend, be able to spend more time and have more understanding and be able to dive deeper onto the difficult cases you have in your register, uh, as opposed to um, you know, just treating every patient as another 15-minute interview. Uh, I think there is a way here to harness data standards to be able to practice consistently at a high level to provide the highest possible level of care that you're able to and, and let people further down the value chain take care of the more, um, you know, the, the, the more mundane, if you like, aspects of healthcare that still have to be done. But uh, if you have the right data at hand, you may be able to dive deeper and deeper and produce even better results for people who you're, who you're treating. Yeah. You know, what a novel concept encouraging patients to be able to learn about themselves and their own conditions. Uh, definitely a, a brilliant concept. Listen, Hamish, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts. I appreciate you bringing some information that um, I was not aware of, and I respect your perspective on healthcare. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit PerspectivesOnHealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.